Life Audio. Welcome to the Real Refreshment Podcast. Join us as we dive into motherhood at the foot of the throne with your host, Rachel Carmen. If you are tired, overwhelmed, and feeling alone, this is the place for you. A place for real moms with real stories seeking real refreshment found only in the living God. Take a minute to visit rachelcarmen.com and join the community of Real Refreshment listeners who are taking the dare to be in the Word as a top priority in the journey of motherhood. All right, let's kick off this latest episode of the Real Refreshment Podcast. Here's your host, Rachel Carmen. Good day, moms. I hope you're having a great day. I hope your December has already started off really well. Today, we kick off a six-part Advent study. We're going to look at six different angles of this remarkable story that the season is all about. Yeah, the world and the enemy wants us to distract us with all the decorations and all the chasing around and the parties and all of that and get us off-center. And I want to call us back to the centrality of the advent of Christ. And so in the next six episodes, we're actually going to do podcasts twice a week so we can get in all six of these before we celebrate the big day. So today is part one, and today we're looking at two women, one barren, one betrothed. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, We've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, The Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of The Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. Well, good day to you. It's Joel with The King Country dropping in to let you know that our brand new film, Unsung Hero, is in theaters now. It's Luke here. We've teamed up with the creators of Jesus Revolution to bring you this adventure of a lifetime. It's a powerful, true story about a family uniting, growing in their faith, and facing the impossible together. In theaters now, unsunghero.movie for more information. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. So clearly we are going to be looking at Mary and Elizabeth today, or sorry, to get it in the correct order, it would be Elizabeth and Mary. We're going to look at the two women who are in this story because it's just a beautiful weaving of these two women. There's a compare and contrast we're going to look at. And as we enter into this Advent season, as we start studying this story again, I know that many of you have read these passages in Luke and Matthew over and over and over. You know the story. I can imagine that some of you are like, yeah, just I'm done. I've heard it a thousand times. Here is the glory of the Word of God, and that is as we progress, as we grow, as we become more and more transformed into the image of God's Son, which is the object 
of our sanctification. As we work through that, as we lean into his molding, we get back to these seasons in the church calendar and get back to this Christmas season and we get to look at this passage in this story brand new because we're not in the same place we were last year when we read this passage. We're in a brand new place. This last year, you've been through things you've never been through before. Or maybe you circled back around a mulberry bush that you didn't want to, but, you know, that's what you had to do. I've done that more than a few times in my life. It's not been this glorious year. It's been a tough year for me, actually. And I'm coming to this passage looking at this kind of feeling beat up after this last year. And I am confident that God is going to meet you just like he meets me exactly where I am with his truth. And there's going to be new things that unfold, new things you're going to see because of where you are on your journey. So I want to invite you, don't mark this off just because you've studied it before. I would encourage you to pray that the Holy Spirit of the living God would come and open your eyes and show you, give your ears to hear and eyes to see what he wants to show you in this Advent season. So again, the title of this first part of the series is Two Women, One Barren, One Betrothed. So as a former high school English teacher, one of my most favorite things to do when I taught high school English was the compare and contrast paper. I feel like it is such a powerful tool for us to be able to look at two things, do the old Venn diagram, right? And look at how these two things are different, contrast, and how are they similar, the comparison. And I just think that sometimes, especially in scripture, when we overlay two characters like we're going to today, we can see things that we haven't seen in the past. And so I'm going to go through this list. I've got scriptures here. I'm going to really encourage you to get out your Bible and seek these things out yourselves and study. Get out a study Bible. If you've got one, pull up blueletterbible.org or if you have any other Bible software and and really dare to, to dig into this. Our passage, the entirety of the passage is is the first and second chapters of the book of Luke. Luke gives the most detailed account of the birth story of Christ. Of course, you have to go back over into Matthew to get the angel's visit of Joseph, and that's going to be part two, so we'll look at that next time. But primarily today, we're looking at the first two chapters of the book of Luke as we look at our two women today. And so I just want to start off going through this compare and contrast of Elizabeth and of Mary. So first of all, which is is pretty significant, we have we have Elizabeth is an older woman. We understand that from Luke verse uh, chapter 1 verse 7, it says very clearly that she and Zechariah were advanced in years. So we have a woman here who is past, right? She's beyond the the air, the age of childbearing. That season for her has gone and it is past. In stark contrast, we have Mary, who is young. Some scholars put her as young as 14, very, very young. She's betrothed, right? But she's she's not in a marital situation where she would be actually sleeping with her husband. They would not have had that marital union yet. So she's technically before it should be possible for her to conceive. So we have these two women here. We have Elizabeth, 
who is beyond the time of being able to conceive, at least by the standards of man. And then we have Mary, who is actually circumstantially before she should be able to conceive. So that's a pretty significant contrast between these two women. Continuing on, we have Elizabeth's husband who actually is in the priestly line. And so when we are introduced to Zechariah in the book of Luke, and when he has his encounter with the angel, which we will again discuss in part two next time, we see that he is performing his priestly duties. In contrast, Mary is betrothed to Joseph, who is actually a carpenter. So two completely different lines of profession, these two men. So these two women are married. So these two women's, one husband, one betrothed, have very, very different jobs that they do. Then we have another contrast. In the case of Elizabeth, Elizabeth herself is not visited by an angel. Her husband, Zechariah, in the course of performing his priestly duties, he is the one that has the encounter with the angel. So Elizabeth doesn't have that encounter. It is communicated to her later, but she does not have that encounter. And the interesting thing about how it must have been communicated to Elizabeth, you'll remember that at the end of the encounter, without giving too much away from part two next time, Zachariah is actually struck mute. And so when Zachariah comes out, he has this incredible story to recount without the ability to actually do so. So she is really in a a fix getting out of Zachariah what actually happened and what did he learn. So she didn't get visited. Her husband did. And then he struck mute. In contrast, Mary... This young maiden, she is the one that the angel visits. And we're going to look in more detail in just a few minutes what that visitation was like for her. But she was very personally visited by the angel. One of the next contrasts that I see between these two women, again, Elizabeth was advanced in age. That's the verbiage in the Bible. And I am, guess, advanced, meaning she was older, beyond the age of conception. And she was barren. She had not been able to bear any children. And one thing that's significant to note here is that would have been considered a disgrace not to have been able to have children. And it seems to me that there must have been, might have been, I don't know that must is correct, but there might have been a kind of resignation on Elizabeth's part, that you know what? That time has passed for me. I'm not going to have any children. She's had to deal with something like you and I have in our lives. There are things, and I talked about this in a previous podcast, there are circumstances that arise in our life that we would not choose, but we cannot change. And it is those circumstances that we have to figure out, what are we going to do with those? And it seems to me, in my reading of Scripture, that Elizabeth had sort of dealt with that and she had moved on, right? She wasn't going to bear any children. She was resigned. But there was a community kind of disgrace. And we see this over, it says in Luke one twenty five that Elizabeth said to herself, this is the way the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked with favor upon me to take away my disgrace among men. So 
Whether or not she had worked past it, it seems like she was still very well aware of the fact that she was disgraced because she was barren. Now, isn't it interesting, the contrast with Mary? Elizabeth is disgraced because she never had children. And then on the other side with Mary, she's disgraced because she's found to be with a child while she's only merely betrothed. So she's not technically married, and she's found to be pregnant. So whereas Elizabeth is resigned in a way, Mary is responsive to what the angel is inviting her to be a part of, but both women have been judged. I find that to be so interesting, that they both know the weight of wrong judgment from other people. Continuing on, we see that once Elizabeth discovers that she is with child, she confines herself. She stays away. She sort of keeps it to herself for a while. And again, Scripture does not say this, but I've always wondered if it's sort of a cross for Elizabeth between wanting to just enjoy every moment of being pregnant and maybe a little bit of embarrassment because she is older, right? Whatever the reason, it says that she kept to herself for a period of time. And then in contrast, on the other side, we find in Matthew, actually, 1, 18 and 19, that Mary was found to be with child. So where you've got Elizabeth kind of hiding out, you've got a Mary is found out. And so there's this other kind of difficulty, right? Because Elizabeth's not supposed to be pregnant. She's too old for that. And Mary's not supposed to be pregnant because she's not supposed to have been doing that yet, right? So you've really got this interesting, very, very interesting contrast. And then finally, the last thing I have on this list, and you may have some other points of comparison and contrast. The last thing that's interesting to me is it seems clear from Scripture, if you read Luke one fifty eight that the birth of John the Baptist to Elizabeth and Zechariah was a communal event, that she was surrounded by friends when she gave birth to John and everybody sub- celebrated with her. In stark contrast, you have Mary and Joseph alone in a stable. Mary's giving birth to the Son of God and very, very, very much alone, just the two of them with the Christ child. So I hope that you can see that there's these two remarkable women, two very strong women in their own right, two women that were found to be right before God, chosen by God, one to carry the forerunner of Christ, and one to actually carry Messiah. They both believed what God had promised. Both were faithful with what they were entrusted. And both were miracle moms. That's what's remarkable to me in two very distinctly different ways. In both instances, it was a miracle that Elizabeth conceived, and it was a miracle that Mary conceived. They were both, in a very real sense, partners with God as they went through this. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, 
the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of the Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact whole thing. And there's even another dimension here that's so beautiful to me. I can imagine that both Elizabeth and all that we've already talked about, her circumstances, and Mary on the other side, I can imagine that both of them felt alone in their circumstance. I can imagine that both of them felt misunderstood in their circumstance. And I can imagine that both of them knew what they knew what they knew. They knew, in in Mary's instance, she knew that she'd been visited by angels. She knew that what was conceived within her was of the Holy Spirit. And Elizabeth knew, based on the word of her husband, Zachariah, somehow he communicated it to her. She knew that this was a miracle child. This was the forerunner of the Christ in some way. And yet, how did they explain that to anybody else? Who would believe them, right? We'll talk about next time about the fact that God's grace upon Mary, one of the graces that God showed upon Mary was an angel was sent to speak with Joseph and give him peace about the fact that Mary was pregnant, right? How kind, the kindness of God. But here we have in Luke 1, 39 through 56, this intersection, this beautiful intersection of these two women. God brings them together. Mary goes to visit Elizabeth. She hears that Elizabeth is pregnant, and she goes to see Elizabeth. I can only imagine that for Mary, she's thinking, I've got to get to Elizabeth. Maybe Elizabeth will understand. First of all, if I was Mary, I would have wanted to get out of town. Because I'm thinking, with all this judgment, everybody's trying to figure out who's the father of this child, and I can't explain this to anybody, and I can't prove this to anybody, right? And so she's just like, i, I got to go see Elizabeth. I wonder what relationship the two of them had had before this time, because Mary seems to have believed if she could just get to Elizabeth, that Elizabeth was safe, and that Elizabeth would understand. And upon arriving there... Upon arriving there, they've got each other. They have both conceived in miraculous circumstance. It was a gift that God gave them each other, and it became an affirmation of both of them, right? You'll remember, if we skip down now to verses uh, 42 through 45, when Elizabeth is seeing Mary for the first time, right? She said, at the time, Mary arose, it says, and she went in a hurry to the hill country. I mean, she was anxious to get to where Elizabeth was. And she entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. Now, just to review for all of us out here in this technological age, she wasn't texting ahead, 
right? She wasn't emailing her. She wasn't even able to send a telegram. There was no way for her to call. Mary literally hurries to go and see Elizabeth and gets walks into the house of Zacharias and Elizabeth. When <clears throat> she says she walked into the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, my baby leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. Three times in Elizabeth's response to Mary's greeting, three times she refers to Mary as blessed. This is beautiful. What a gift for Mary to come from judgment, for Mary to come from a circumstance where she could have, by the standards of the law, been stoned. Mary coming from a circumstance in her own hometown where she was being clobbered with the town gossip and slandered, right? To be able to get away and breathe and see Elizabeth and for Elizabeth to immediately get it. This is such a gift from God to give to Mary. It's just so beautiful and so overwhelming to me that God knew exactly what Mary needed. And it says... It says that she actually was able to stay with Elizabeth for three months. And I just have to say, I just think that that is absolutely just glorious that she would stay there for that long and get to have the fellowship of another woman who had also experienced just this remarkable visit and the fulfillment of prophecy. We have then... I want to go back before we go forward. I want to look then and go back to chapter 1, 26 through 38. Let's look for just a minute at the angel's visit of Mary because it's so important. It's very easy, again, for us to read over this passage and miss a bunch of stuff, but there is so much here. I would encourage you to either mark in your Bible or print it out and mark it up, but it's, there's some really clear things here that I think that we can really take hold of. First of all, the angel's greeting. The first thing, there's four things that the angel says just initially before we get to the meat of why the angel came. And these are words of affirmation that are just beautiful. The angel says, greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. Do not be afraid. That's beautiful. Every time we have in Scripture when an angel shows up, immediately the angel says, do not be afraid. So it must be a point of sheer terror to be in the presence of an angel such that every time they show up, they're like, look, don't be afraid, right? And so Mary, being a young woman, a young maiden, the angel says, greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. Do not be afraid. Then continuing on, the angel says, For you have found favor with God. And behold, here's the things. There are three things that the angel says Mary will do. You will, I'm just looking at it, you will conceive in your womb, bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. 
So three things Mary's going to do. Conceive, bear a son, and name him Jesus. Then the angel goes on to explain what will Jesus do. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. He will reign over the house of Jacob, and his kingdom will have no end. So again, I hope you can see this very clearly. There's the greeting. There's the outline of what Mary will do, what Jesus will do. And now next, we have the interjection of what God will do. God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, so now it's time for Mary to respond. How can this be, since I am a virgin? Wow. Very honest, raw question. Mary is just like, okay, how is this going to happen? And that is a reasonable question for her to have asked. The angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the holy child shall be called the Son of God. In other words, this child will not have an earthly father, but a heavenly father. Behold, the angel says, your relative Elizabeth has conceived a son in her old age, and she who is called barren is now in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. Do you see it? This is Mary's clue right here. Go see Elizabeth. This is why Mary couldn't get to Elizabeth fast enough. Because the angel says, look, I'm inviting you to be a part of something. Elizabeth's a few months further down the path than you. She has conceived. I'm telling you, you're going to conceive. You know Elizabeth has been barren, and she's already six months pregnant. This is where Mary gets the idea she's got to go and see. She's not commanded, but there's a desire burning within her. She's got to go and see. And in verse 38, we have these beautiful words from Mary, this perfect example of surrender and submission to the invitation of God to be a part of what he is doing. Behold the bond servant, the bond slave of the Lord. May it be done unto me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Here we have Mary, young Mary, who has found favor with God. God sends an angel, invites her to be a part of what he's going to do to redeem mankind by carrying the Messiah. She asks, how is this going to happen? The angel explains to her that she's going to be overshadowed by the Holy Spirit and conceive by the Holy Spirit such that the child will be called the Son of God. And then God extends to her this gift of her cousin Elizabeth, who too is pregnant by what would have been an impossibility because nothing is impossible with God. As we consider this passage anew, this story of these two women, one barren and one betrothed, I want to dare us to do just a few things. Number one, I want 
to dare us to look at these two women and live available to the will of God. I want us to dare to be available to what God invites us to be a part of. In this instance, these two women had an opportunity to set aside themselves and submit to God, and we ought to look for opportunities to do that. I want us to dare to believe in what God says is true. God invites us to trust and obey Him, and we should dare to believe His Word is true. Mary said, may it be unto me according to your word. We need to know the Word and dare to believe the Word and dare to live what we believe. Third, I want to dare us to celebrate the goodness of God and the movement of God and the answered prayer and His faithfulness to us every day. Moms, God is so faithful to us every day. And just like we see Elizabeth stating the blessedness of Mary and Mary celebrating in the Magnificat that you can read in verses 46 through 56, make sure you take time to read over that. Mary's focus as she goes through that praise of God is what God has done. Look what God has done. Mom, look what God has done. We need to be women who dare to celebrate what God has done. And finally, we need to dare to stay focused on God. I am struck once again as we study the Word of God that the Word of God is about God. This story, though it has these two women, one barren and one betrothed, is not about these two women. This story is about God's movement in the lives of these two women, two women who chose to be available, two women who chose to believe, two women who chose to celebrate His goodness, and two women who determined to stay focused. May we be women who dare to live that way. I'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you have a question or comment, we invite you to send it to info at rachelcarmen.com. And while you're at Rachel's website, check out her wonderful resources, including the Word in Motion Bible curriculum. We want to take a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. Moms, more than ever, we really do need each other. We need to be challenged and we need accountability in the word. Thanks for joining us and we'll catch you in the next episode of the Real Refreshment Podcast. Need more of God's power in your life? I'm Christina Patterson, host of the Teach Us to Pray podcast, providing practical tips on how to grow your faith through prayer. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.